Welcome, everyone, to the .NET Maui podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, and, of course, .NET Maui. I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm David Ortnow. Ooh, we should definitely add some Blazor into it. I mean, really, you know, what can't you do with .NET Maui? That's the question. That's, yeah, I mean, really, uh, it's kind of about taking uh, customers everywhere they need to be. So, yeah. And then eventually we'll be able to add other platforms and... All the things. We could talk about IoT. I had an interesting email uh, today, just by way of introduction. Uh, Customer representing a government asked if Microsoft was still investing in .NET and if .NET was going to be around. And I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) oh, we have so many companies and developers on .NET is not going anywhere. Yeah. 5.4 million. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Well, of course, we saw the the numbers and the trends and the increases uh, at .NET Conf, which I'm sure that we'll touch on a little bit here, but Yeah, it's yeah, always .NET Maui does it all. It's always uh, it's always fun talking with developers in the community that have been you know new to .NET and and, and long timer in .NET and where's it going where's it coming from and I think like .NET Conf is always a great you know kickoff to basically here's all the things that are that have been happening here and there and then all the focus ones too maybe we just need to talk about that more 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 .NET everywhere basically all up in your face <laughs> but you know I I, uh, I just got back from VS Live or Orlando. Um, and did some sessions there with Maddie, which was rad. And uh, we, we did have some great, great response to the the .NET Maui, the Blowy, uh, if you will, um, collaboration. I'm just gonna, I just, I, I'm gonna start using that everywhere. I don't care what marketing says. Um, so the .NET Maui Blazor stuff is really cool. I mean, I'm not a web developer, however, you know, there are many web developers in the world, and I think this is really cool. Like someone was, someone was joking on Twitter about like, oh, like before we wanted to make every like web developer, a client developer. Now we want to make every client developer, a web developer. No, we don't want to do that. Right. I think it's, Hey, you can now pick and choose what you want. Right. And, and build those native apps in your web apps, however you want to, which I think is really, really cool. And especially if you're a web developer, you know, just using Dynamout even as a shell and accessing those native APIs is, is going to be a huge win for you. I mean, that, like that's like the first time, you know, as a, as a windows developer for a long time, the first time I found, Xamarin, right? I was like, I had that same exact feeling like, whoa, like I can now build an Android and iOS app. Like I never thought I could do that, you know? And then when we went across platforms, like, whoa, I never thought I'd be able to create one UI that went every, you know, went across these, all these different platforms. So hopefully there's, there's something in, in .NET for you. And I, I felt like that was, I redid like a, a keynote there too. And I, I think, you know, when we talk about .NET being a unified platform, it's really a, 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 a not only just a unified platform, but a platform that we want Microsoft wants, the .NET team wants, the community wants, is is a platform that whatever you want to build, there is the capability for you to build that. So, and share code between all of your applications and build out UIs or libraries or microservices and, and, and you know, basically reuse that knowledge everywhere. I had another developer come up and say, oh, their company's using a lot of Angular but they, they really want to use more .NET. And I said, oh, well, you know, what are you using on the, the back end? You know, for your APIs, they're like, oh, we're using .NET for our web APIs. And I said, right. oh, cool. Well, well, there you go. Like, build build a, a Blazor shell, like a Blazor app, or an ASP.NET Core app, actually. That's why I said it. So just build an ASP.NET Core app, 
and you can um, you can have it host Angular. The new templates are in there. And you can have it host React, and and you can also host Blazor because they're like we want more Blazor stuff. And I was like, cool, yeah, just like take your website and put it in ASP.NET, and and you can have Angular in there. You can have this, you know, the .NET website, for example. I'm gonna ramble here about stuff because I, I got I got in at one a.m. So it's pretty pretty. I got any more coffee, but uh, you know the .NET website, for example, that is ASP.NET Core. It's mostly Razor pages, but it's also um, some MVC stuff. It's also um, some React stuff. It's also some Blazor stuff. What isn't it, to be honest with you? Because a lot of people have worked on it over the years, and and there's different pieces of technology, and it's a cool showcase of you can mix and max technologies. Like it's okay to have a you know a, 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 a Angular or React front end and .NET powering your back end. Like that's cool. You know what I mean? I mean, sure you want more .NET everywhere, but like. You know, you could pick and choose what you want. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I'm stopped it talking is. now. Well, you know, the um, you mentioned Angular. And when I talk to customers, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of customers every week. Um, and uh, when I find out that they have, you know, a lot of web developers, very often those web developers are mostly well-versed in Angular and or React. Mm. But um, lots of .NET ends up getting used. And of course, you know, when they're, calling and talking to me, it's typically because they have Microsoft as a partner or, you know, they're already invested in the .NET stack somewhere in their organization. Um, and, you know, Blazor is still relatively new, especially in enterprises and large organizations that have been, you know, developing apps for years and years and years. So Blazor is very new to them. Um, but then once they see that they can start doing these kinds of hybrid scenarios, um, that really delivers uh, a best of breed experience, I guess is maybe a way to say it. That's a little buzzy. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, what is going to give you the best experience on a mobile device for a certain scenario? Probably native. And then, so the, so for that, you have .NET MAUI and uh, you can choose XAML, you can choose C Sharp, however you want to do it. Um, but then you may have other features in there that it's really more important for you to have code share with a, with a web uh, property. And so then you can start embedding things either in a Blazor web view or just a straight web view. And, you know, it's really what is the best thing for those scenarios is how we typically like to guide customers. And it's, you know, as, as easy as it would be to have from a marketing perspective, a one size fits all, here's the product matches your solution. Everybody's happy. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, let's make .NET as strong and powerful as it needs to be so that you don't have to make those sacrifices in terms of user experience and features. So there's my ramble right back at you, James. Love a good ramble. What's your ramble, Matt? What I love about .NET here is that, you know, you guys are absolutely right, is um, it's good for all the things. And last week was last week for .NET Conf, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. .NET Conf last week is that what we didn't hit on, and I'm kind of a little bit big on it. And it's a little bit, little bit iffy. Is uh, the Power Platform right? And you mm-hmm. can actually write a lot of .NET stuff for the Power Platform to help out with um, citizen developers. And the citizen developers are the folks who are not professional developers by their day job, but by um, they just they happen to do development um, for Power Apps and such. But we can write a bunch of .NET to help them out with uh, like custom connectors and uh, and um, and um, so you write something like an Azure function, put it in the API management. It actually, doesn't even need to go into API management; it could just be an open API supported one. It's all .NET, like a .NET Web API. 
throw it, even throw it into a Docker container or something, which Nish and Neil and I even talked about, and then bring it right back in to um, Power Apps. And it's actually super cool on how easy it works. So, I mean, .NET is everywhere. It's even in the Power World. So, .NET everywhere, right? So, it's, it's true. Everywhere. pretty neat. Yeah. And, uh, so, David, I know we have to get you out of here in like five minutes. So, anything new with .NET Maui? I, yeah, I'm I'm going to a kid lunch. It's Thanksgiving season, so um, so yeah, you know, with .NET six launching, um, we also have a new preview update of .NET Maui. So I did blog about this, of course. You can go check out the blog. Um, it's a bit smaller in terms of new features because you know we're ending kind of the near near the end of the cycle towards an RC release in Q1 of next year, uh, and that's calendar years, by the way. Um, calendar quarters, and then in Q2, uh, a GA release of .NET MAUI. So uh, mostly a lot of bug fixes in this one. I think one of the, the nicest comments I read on the blog post uh, was saying, hey, thank you so much. This actually solves several of the things that were filed in a previous release that were impacting me. So that's great. We're starting to see some of those things get polished out. Um, progress on the handler porting. This is bringing over the Xamarin forms to .NET MAUI controls. Um, so implementing all the remaining uh, properties and things like that. So we're getting very close on that. Collection view and indicator view have made an appearance. Um, previously, they were shimmed in using our compatibility shim, um, which you can use uh, for custom renders, by the way. Um, so if you have custom renders in your existing Xamarin Forms code and, and you're wanting to bring that forward to .NET 6, which I highly recommend everybody does, um, then your first easiest step is to shim those things in. And that actually is something that I talk about in a other blog post because I couldn't write just one blog post last week. I had to write two. Um, so the other blog post is on the Xamarin blog, and it talks about all the things that are new for Xamarin, Xamarin Forms developers in terms of the latest Android, the latest iOS, as well as what's new in Visual Studio 2022 for you. Um, and then I also spend some time uh, talking about what the support and the road ahead looks like for you if you have existing apps on your way to .NET MAUI and a, a high-level look at what your migration strategy looks like uh, going from Xamarin and Xamarin Forms to .NET 6 and .NET MAUI. So uh, definitely check out both of those blog posts for that information. Some key bits of inf uh, additional information for you. Uh, make sure that when you're doing .NET MAUI things, you're using Visual Studio 2022 17.1 Preview 1. Um, so it's not in the 17.0 GA release because some of these uh, tooling features, hot reload and things like that are uh, still being baked. And of course, you know we're doing work in the SDKs as well. So you want to make sure you stay on the preview channel for now. And we'll let you know as we continue to release previews which versions of Visual Studio you're going to have the best experience in. But the coolest thing here is that uh, all of the Windows dependencies for Windows App SDK, WinUI 3, it's all right behind a single checkbox now. So all you need to do when you're installing this version of VS, check that mobile development with .NET which is a bit of a misnomer now, right? Because we have desktop as well. So that's going to get uh, uh, you know updated in, in a future release. Um, 
But all you do is check that. You'll notice that the .NET MAUI preview checkboxes should be pre-checked for you in the optional components, and you get everything you need. So you can just F5 right into your first Windows uh, Windows app SDK app, and it should launch for you, no problem. Um, Jumping ahead now in terms of what you're going to see next, I wanted to highlight a few things there. Uh, iOS type alignment. So there are a couple of uh, number types that we have in Xamarin iOS that uh, don't exist in .NET 6, essentially. So in order to uh, make this you know, fully unified with the rest of .NET, uh, we made the decision to go ahead and make this breaking change so that we can you know, all move forward at the same pace. What this means is that uh, any iOS things that you will adopt in the coming releases, you'll need to update your other dependencies. So any libraries or things like that that use iOS types, uh, you'll just need to recompile them against, against the new .NET 6 uh, types that we release. The second thing is that our performance and app size work is now kind of in full swing. We've had some incremental improvements uh, in the past releases, but in the next several releases, we hope to really start to, to land some of this work in the in what we ship. Uh, .NET MAUI apps have on certain devices. We always have to throw that out there. On certain devices, uh, the app startup is now below one second which is really exciting um, because if you've used Xamarin Forms in the past, you know that uh, app startup tends to be more on the 1.5 to 2 seconds, uh, even for smaller apps. You can do quite a bit of work to get it down below that, but this is the default experience. So we're really excited about that. And um, it doesn't stop there. There, uh, I just saw a PR this morning from Jonathan Peppers where he is doing some work to reduce the number of Java interop calls that happen. Um, you can go up on the Mauer repo, find that PR and take a look at exactly what's happening if you want the nitty gritty. But essentially the idea is we know that we need to cross that bridge many times. So let's batch those calls and see how much time we can save per control. And uh, the numbers are very encouraging. So we're going to see a lot of milliseconds pile up there, which may uh, may have some, some very positive results. And I'm excited about that because this is actually a change that uh, Jason Smith recommended a long time ago. <laughs> and so oh, we're nice. finally able to start to see if we can't make that thing work for us. So those things are all coming, uh, as well as some, you know, uh, more improvements and or completion of handlers. So look forward to that release candidate um, in the first quarter of next year. And between now and then, we'll have monthly releases. Things will slow down um, in December. Now I feel like I'm giving a weather report. <laughs> Things will slow down in December with the holidays and everything. Um, so uh, into the new year. But then we'll pick up speed again as we get towards that release candidate. And with that weather report, back to you, James or Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, David. Are you heading out right now? You got to go? I do need to go. Yeah, my wife actually just walked in the front door with the food for our lunch. So Perfect. I should probably get going. All right, David. Well, have a good one. And we'll see you next month on the Down MI podcast. Thanks, we'll David. Be Bye. right back. And we're back. That's right. We, like, we didn't really leave. Matt, we're always here. Yeah, I mean, I just sit on this Zencaster uh, and wait for the next month to appear. Exactly. Everybody just knows where I am, and I'm just waiting for the next .NET Maui podcast featuring Blazor Blowy James. I I let that one go while you were talking. Blowy, I love that. Yeah, I, you know, I I I, I propose that as the name 
a while ago. And and let's just say it didn't go super well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we had Donut Conf. It happened. It's amazing. Everything. There's all the videos on the Donut YouTube and on Channel 9 or on the doc, wherever it's at. You'll find all of them. We'll put links into the show notes. There's like, I don't know, 80 some odd hours of content from the .NET team, from the Microsoft teams, from the community, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, we had an amazing keynote uh, that took off. Um, Maria, Mads, uh, Maddie, uh, Hanselman, uh, who else was there? Fowler, um, Dan Roth, Maddie, Hunter, all, all the people were there. Uh, Maria, Mads, all the people. I'm just going to repeat names because they're all there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all there. When's all it happened? It was, it was super cool. And uh, it, it was announcements of uh, the release of .NET 6, of C Sharp 10, new versions of F Sharp, um, brand new minimal APIs and ASP.NET Core. Uh, what else was in there? Um, uh, we, they showed Azure container apps. They showed all the new enhancements in Blazor, such as the new compression that they have um, going on when you uh, compile and release your uh, Blazor application, a WebAssembly app. The, the, the executable for like the big podcast app that they showed off was like 300 kilobytes or something like that, which is crazy and awesome. Um, Maddie showed off Don and Maui, and then Maddie and Dan showed off Blowy together, Don and <laughs> Maui and Blazor together, putting a little Blazor into your um, Don and Maui app. And then later on, Alon Lipton showed a demo of taking an entire Blazor app and putting it into a Don and Maui app. So just 100%. Blazor in a native app, but accessing native APIs or using Maui Essentials, for example. So, so cool to see it all really come together. And 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 with VS 2022, I mean, so much good stuff in there um, that all came together. And now it's just like uh, David said, it's just, you know, the single checkbox. Boom. That's all I got to yeah. do. Just check it. Done. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that demo or the keynote demo, James. Did you see on the top row one of the podcasts that was mentioned? As our Definitely. podcast, I think our yeah. podcast got highlighted a lot. So hopefully, there's a lot of new listeners yep. um, to the pod. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Actually, <laughs> it was. I think it was demo. I mean, I, I was funny because I think we tweeted like a photo of it, and like merge conflict was in there too. And um, and I tweeted. I think someone tweeted about that, and I was like, yeah, I wonder who worked on this demo app. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Uh, it was me uh, and a bunch of other people who worked with. Uh, Dan was on there, Alon was on there, Maddie worked on it, David worked on it, and then we had an amazing team at Plain Concepts, which is amazing uh, individuals that helped build out the entirety of, of, of the application as well. So they did most of the hard hard lifting. And But it was cool. I got to actually, like, me and Nish uh, from my team, basically we're in, kind of in control of um, of the demo app. So Nish, Nish came up with Listen Together. I kid you not. We were mm-hmm. thinking of like, awesome. what's a great use case of Blazor and .NET Maui together? And, and uh, you, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, well, it's like put this screen here or this here. And, you know, we want a real, you know, bigger real world use case. And it, it was funnily enough, like we didn't have time to recreate that entire screen and implement all the code where it was cool about this listen together. And I was like, you'd be listening to this podcast. Like, let's say you're listening to this podcast right now in the app. And then Matt, one to listen it with me and and what was cool is you can create a room and then you anyone can start and stop the podcast skip ahead and then you can send emojis based on where you're listening together uh which is cool and that all use signal r so all that signal r stuff was just in the donna maui stuff or in the blazer stuff in a donna maui app so it's really cool just to see it all slap together 
Oh, that's awesome. That Nish came up with it. He, I did not know about it. He demoed it for me, but mm. he didn't tell me that was his idea. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nish. Nish. So pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was a great app. I mean, all .NET Conf was amazing. Yeah, like, like you said before, it was three days. The big, big keynote. But I mean, there were so many other other sessions that went on throughout the throughout the three days from people from Microsoft, people from the community. It was nonstop. And they all hit YouTube and, uh, like you said, Channel 9 or Microsoft Learn Channel and everything else. I think they all went up yesterday. They finally all made it up. So. Yeah, any favorites that you have? Um, well, I was there. So yeah, my that's number one there. Oh, me. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. That mm-hmm. can't be can't be no, we can't talk it down. Um let's see. I always like looking at the stuff I know nothing about. Okay, yeah. So and right now I don't know much <laughs> about Blazor. So I mm-hmm. like learning that stuff because you know, like I'm not really a much of a web developer either, James. So but always trying to get into the uncomfortable zone and learning a little bit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's, and that's the new, that's the hotness. And also um, um, just learning like a Kubernetes type stuff. So going into and, and learning the, um, the, the, um, um, the whole, the whole containers ecosystem, mm-hmm. even though Nish and I did a whole uh, session on microservices. So I know a little bit, but I need to push it a little bit more. And so the whole Azure container services stuff was interesting too. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Kendra's talk on testing. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really cool. My favorite part of that demo was she showed how new in the new Test Explorer in Visual Studio 2022, you can do a drop down to do remote um, testing environments. And she showed uh, basically debugging and running the test in a Docker container locally on your machine which was really neat for like Linux specific tests. And then she ran the tests remotely via SSH on a VM in Azure that was running Windows 10, which is really, really cool. So she was like kind of showing this all together. I just thought it was, it was, it was so neat. And that was one of my favorites. And then also um, Mika did an awesome productivity talk all about, um, all about, uh, all the new features and, and analyzers and refactorings all inside of uh, Visual Studio uh, 2022. And just like so cool, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like there's so much good stuff in there. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Yeah. So, and there's, yeah, like I said, so many to pick from. Yeah. So just head on out to the, uh, it's on the .NET YouTube, right? That's where yep. we all posted them. Yeah. Yep, so yep, head, yep. Out, head on out there and just pick and choose stuff and stuff you want to learn, stuff that push your boundaries and have at it. It's all there. It's all happening. Yeah. So as part of the whole .NET 6 release, James, there's, um, well, .NET 6 itself, but also C Sharp 10 came out. And so one of my favorite features on C Sharp 10 is um, implicit usings. What do you think of those? Those are my, that's that's my favorite. Implicit usings and global using. So good. Um, in general, I think Mads and Dustin, they did another great session there too. They talked about shrinking your code vertically and horizontally. So this is the the, vertic- the vertical, right? Where you have all those using statements on top. And um, yeah, implicit usings are, well, I think it, I, th- I think it's easier to talk about global usings first and okay. then implicit usings. Okay. Because 
Global usings are like, hey, I have this namespace and a bunch of files, and I, I don't want to stop copying and pasting that around. So I create a, you know, I create a, a file called, you know, global usings or usings, or I put it in some other file. I just, I just put the word global in front of it. And then it's used throughout my entire application. Right. And that's awesome when it's like, oh, I have like, here's all my view models and I'm just going to use them like everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, why am I doing that? I might as well just, you know, do this one place or all my models or all this other stuff, which is really cool. It's for your project. But then implicit usings, that's a project setting, correct? Yes. And you could turn it off, but yeah, it's a project setting. And what does that do, man? It's like, I ex- way I thought of it, it's like, because we have like Cyber Monday and Black Friday coming up here in, in the US. And it's like the bun- bundle deal for that, where you're, you mm-hmm. buy a pack, like if you're buying a package and you're buying like a battery for, for a tool set, you buy a battery and then you get a driver drill for free with it. <laughs> So yeah. if you're if you're doing an ASP.NET Core project, you're going to get a bunch of usings that are commonly used for free with it. <laughs> Not for free, you know, but they're just included as part of like a global usings statement, essentially. Yeah. So like, well, they're free. They come along for free and you don't have to actually use them, which is actually super cool because a lot of times you're using, you know, the uh, system threading tasks. When aren't you usually putting that in? Yeah. So they may as well come all the time as part of the implicit usings and like like you mentioned um it's it's in the project file itself where there's going to be a little um the turn it on turn it off option so you don't need to have it on because a lot of times you're wondering you know, <laughs> how is this working where is this actually coming from you might want to actually specify it yourself and so yeah you can turn it off if you want but it's why leave it on just let it you know let it do its thing. So, yeah. yeah. yeah so, I, I, that's, that's the one I, that was my favorite thing coming out of C sharp 10. But I um, also, I also like um, talking about shrink code uh, besides implicit and global usings is the uh, file scoped namespaces. I always mess mm-hmm. it up. So, file <laughs> scoped namespaces. And what file scoped namespaces are, are exactly what they sound like. They're a namespace that is scoped to the file. So right now you have to create a namespace, put it in squiggly brackets, indent all of your code by four spaces. No more shenanigans. Just do namespace, you know, my models, semicolon, done. Shift all your code to the left, regain all that space, and boom, you're totally good to go. So many good features in there. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, because how often do you have more than one namespace in a file? I maybe did it, sure, but it's not very often. Yeah, (laughs) so. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much so never. one thing though, James, is I always indent mine with tabs, not spaces. That's kind of weird, huh? Mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I have no idea what I. I don't have it. Yeah, I, I, I you care. know what? <laughs> Whatever the default is, is exactly. what I have exactly. And if I go into tools, options, and like in Visual Studio, and mine are probably all out of whack. But really, just there needs to be an editor config, so it doesn't matter. So yep. let's see, uh, what is that under? That's under like text editor, C sharp, general tabs. Mine is set to smart indenting, tab size four, indent size four, keep tabs. I think that's a default. I don't know. Someone, someone right into the show. Let me know what, what yeah. the default is. Yeah, that's, I use the default too. It's, I'm not, I don't care about the tabs versus spaces. I'll, I'll admit it. It's what it is. And yeah, so I there's think- a couple other, um, um, new features of C sharp 10. Um, lambdas had a bunch of stuff put onto it. Um, 
You could put attributes mm-hmm. on lambdas now, which is pretty cool. Like you could put attributes on classes and methods before. Put them on lambdas. You know, lambdas are kind of their own. You know, they're functions in themselves, so it makes yeah. sense you can put at, or attributes on those. And um, uh, natural expression lambda types. That's kind of like file scoped expressions, trying to say that right. And so what happens there is the compiler can actually figure out um, what what the return type is or what the um, um, input types are going to be, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool in, in, in that part. And then um, you can also actually go ahead and actually specify hard code what the uh, return type of a Lambda is uh, as well. So that's neat. And there's some updates to structs. As well, and so structs, you know, they you're always focusing on values for structs rather than behaviors. So structs and classes are, you know, like why wouldn't I use a class versus a struct? And and so structs are mainly just for values. And um, there's record structs now. So where you're just defining at a at struct initialization, and then they don't change. And um, um, parameter parameter list constructors for structs. Um, and if you don't use one, so it's going to use the default value for all the fields. And so, yeah, so some improvement for structs as well. And nice. Yeah. So there is a bunch of other C-sharp 10 features. Um, those are the ones that I, I thought were I thought were neat. And, yeah. They're all amazing. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. So much good stuff. Go update all your codes yep. there. Um, some other cool stuff coming out on the Xamarin blog as well. Um um, I always love this blog post series, which is called the journey to accessible apps. Um, and, um, Rachel Kang does this. She's awesome. So does all sorts of stuff on accessibility. And this is a great blog post, basically breaking down, um, how to create even more accessible applications. And she comes in and she talks about like kind of uh, UI design, this and that. And she, um, breaks down, you know, what's good, what's bad. Can you see the differences? Uh, meaningful context ordering on this one, talking about semantic ordering. She's always talking about like all the improvements that you can just do today in your existing apps, um, including some new controls in the Xamarin Community Toolkit, but also some new things that are coming in .NET MAUI, which is also really, really cool. So it, it's just a great blog post series. And also they have like a Discord channel that you can hop in if you want to learn more about making your apps even more accessible uh, as well, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. Uh, good. Just going through that post. Um, there's actually a, so yeah, what she's talking about, it's like content ordering in there. Like, so how you would like, um, essentially tab through a, a, a page and there's a, there's a view that does content ordering as part of the community toolkit, which is, which is neat where you can actually specify, all right, I want this, this mm-hmm. control to get, you know, um, focus first and this one to get second and you can specify it to make it make sense for um you know maybe folks who who need that so yeah, yeah and it's super important i mean accessibility should be a, a priority one thing when you, you should think of when you're when you're building your applications absolutely so. absolutely uh what else do we have uh matt um, there's one thing I did want to talk about, James, and I did skip over it just a bit before, and I'm going to go back and talk about it now. Now, remember a couple of uh, podcasts ago when we were talking about Visual Studio 2022 previews, and there was a, we were talking about the color tabs, and we couldn't figure out whether 
you could control the color tabs or not or what they were doing. And it turns out the color tabs are done by project type. Oh, yes. By projects. Good news. Soon. It's not there yet, but soon they're going to be done. You could turn it so you can also do it by file type. Mm -hmm. It's like you can do all your XAML files with, um, they're going to be one color type or all the uh, CS files can be another one. That's what David wanted. He uh, he said it. I was going to surprise him with this, but he had to jump jump off oh. to a to a Thanksgiving dinner. But ah, <laughs> so it, there it is. It's definitely there. It's in the preview, which is really cool. So yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So yeah, nice. so I just wanted to jump back and, and mention that I had a note for myself to to mention that. And poor David, he missed it. So we'll have to check out to see if he's listening to the yeah. podcast if he brings it up to us. He definitely isn't. <laughs> definitely is not. Um, well, we also got uh, an update to Xamarin Forms, uh, service release 7 of 5.0. You can check out all the show notes. In the show notes, you can check out the release notes for that as well. And then also David talked about the what's new in Xamarin in Visual Studio 2022. Um, and, of course, there's all sorts of good blog posts and things that you can get. You can get updates to Visual Studio 2019, uh, 20, uh, 22, obviously that's in GA. So when you tap on the mobile development.net, that's going to bring it in. Like, uh, I think David might've mentioned, but I'll re-mention it. Uh, you got, you got update to open JDK 11, um, from version eight, which is a big update for the designer SDK manager device manager. That, uh, is a big one cause it syncs with uh, all the new .NET Maui stuff too. Um, it's kind of nice too, that all the Xamarin stuff is, is there in, in it. So you just can install everything and you can do Maui and Xamarin together in the preview one channel. Um, and then that's cool. The Xamarin support, um, for, for two more years, they, they updated the schedule for shipping and, uh, to align with the Microsoft modern life cycle. Um, so you can uh, check out more of the, uh, enhancements for Android and iOS through November, 2023. Um, as well, which is cool. So, and of course, you know, he talks a little bit about the .NET upgrade assistant and dependencies and Maddie demoed that in uh, an upcoming, uh, or recent, uh, a session that, um, that, that she had at PS live actually. And, and it was really cool. So I'm really excited for that and, and to upgrade and migrate some of my, not only Xamarin forms apps to .NET Maui, but also, um, you know, any of just your existing apps, you should be able to move right over to .NET six and take advantage of all those new C sharp 10 features. Woo. Do it. Yeah, do it. It, it kills me. Like we have Xamarin form service release out already. I mean, service release. We're not, it's all .NET Maui coming up. You know, it's just, yep. it's service release time. So service release. It's, it's cool though. It's, it's awesome. It's super excited. So no else is super exciting. James, the Azure service of the month. Azure and, service uh, of the month. That's what you got. All right, so this one's pretty cool. It's part of the uh, Cognitive Services Suite overall, and it's called the Azure Form Recognizer. And uh, mm. I was messing around with this a couple weeks ago, and it's actually pretty amazing. And so it does pretty much what it says, Form Recognizer, but it does so much more. So essentially what you're going to do, you're going to snap a photo of something, like a form, or like an ID, like your driver's mm. license, or a receipt, or a business card, and it has like these pre-populated fields on it. So if we're going to be talking about, or an invoice even. So if you're going to talk, uh, take a snapshot of, um, um, let's say a business card, because that one's going to be the easiest to explain. So if you're taking a, a snapshot or a photo of a business card, it's going to identify for you in pre-population, like the company's name on there, put that into a property, address line information, the person's name. It's going to find email address in there, website in there for you. 
It's going to find all that for you, put that into properties for you automatically, and then you have it. It's just there. So like it takes care of everything for you. And like mm-hmm. I said, it'll do that for like invoices. So it finds like all the uh, services offer like line items, uh, prices for those line items, throws it into the total. And you get all this stuff into the variables right away. It's like a one-stop shop. It does all the hard work. And and if you wanted to, you can train it up on a custom model. So like if you had like your company's running and you have your own um, invoices, because sometimes it, it misses. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll miss. Like if you're taking a shot of a business card, it'll mess up the um, like the city and the state or the zip code or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you can train it up on your own custom model so it doesn't miss. Uh, you know, so like if you have an invoice that you're always taking a scan of or always taking a photo of. So it you know, you're using the same same um, template all the time, then you can train it so it always knows it and doesn't make mistakes. So it's super cool. And what I like about it is that it uses across um, all those different types, like IDs and receipts and invoices and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that one-stop shop and then, you know, where you don't have to do any work. And that's, I love it. Awesome. And yeah. I'll tell the cloud news of the month would be probably Azure Container Apps. Um, yeah. It's part of the .NETConf keynote. It's a, an amazing way of, of simplifying uh, microservices with event-driven um, kind of architecture. So, um, and what that means is it's kind of like, think of it as like serverless containers for yes. microservices. So kind of like how Azure functions are like serverless functions that you'd write. You'd have like your whole con- you know, container, your, your whole microservice. And there's a lot of different pieces of functionality out there that allow you to um, basically, you know, have multiple microservices together with like Kubernetes, or you want to do like loosely coupled dependencies like Dapper, or you might want to do like event-based scaling with uh, something like Kita and container apps brings it all together. So what it enables you to do is basically specify, Hey, I have this, you know, container and I have these services and this other container and, you know, the use of these things. And here are the events that I want you to kind of scale up and scale down mm-hmm. on. So for example, in the .NET Conf keynote, it was like based on a queue um, listener and says, hey, you know, this there's going to be items coming in this queue that this background worker needs to, to process. And, and you could just have it like listening there and kind of always on and, and doing stuff, but that can be expensive. So what if you had it scale from zero all the way up to five when you had like a heavy amount of, uh, you know, data and, and a queue comes in and have it scale up. So, so Fowler showed that he ran a script and generated like dumping like a thousand items onto the queue and you saw it go from zero up to five and then scale back down basically over time, which is really cool. So, uh, Azure container apps, uh, I, I, I kind of now and understand microservices just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Yeah. Just it's- a little bit more. It's, yeah, if you can think of it, containers for server, serverless, and serverless means you can scale it down to zero, which means you're not paying for it. And it is, it's uh, not opinionated, I what was be the best word for it, which, as you mentioned, you can be, do, be doing Dapper or Kita or really anything else that you want to have running behind it, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, so good. All right, you got to pick of the pot at all? Oh gosh, James, pick of the pod. Um, you do yours first, I'll, and let me let me let me think of one while you do all yours. of .dotnet conf. That's the pick of the pod. Go watch every <laughs> single video. Ha! I win. Um, yeah, I got a few got upcoming events for you to check out. 
Um, there's a new .NET tech community that I want to give a shout out for. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, you know, a few years ago, I did a blog post on this, but we'll put that in there too. A, a year ago or so, um, there's we started this unification project of um, the all the forums and Q&A areas across .NET. So there's a bunch of sporadic ones, like you had a Xamarin one, an ASP.NET one, you had other spaces. They weren't really consistent. And there's uh, there's platforms at Microsoft that, that do this already. So it felt really weird to have all these different communities spread out all over the interwebs with all different, you know, login flows and reward points, you know, all these different things. Um, so what happened is, is, is myself, uh, Chris Fanos and others worked with the different teams. There's two teams. There's a team from Microsoft Q and a and answers, which is kind of like, um, an answering f- board, somewhat like a stack overflow where you're asking questions and getting answers and support is there as well, triaging things. Um, and then there's a thing called tech community. So there, there are two different systems that they, you know, work with your single Microsoft login and uh, they both have different different purposes. So Q&A is like a very strict, like here's, it was the evolution of the, the, the MSDN forums. And the MSDN forums were like, hey, you know, they kind of evolved into a space where most, a lot of the people were just asking questions and answers. So they wanted to create a new Q&A thing. And all of Azure is there and Windows and all these other things. So it felt natural. Like, why isn't .NET there, right? Because you, you want to have .NET there, you want to have the languages, you want people to ask questions, get answers, you know, you know, and all those different things. So we launched that like over a year ago and the ASP.NET forums and the Xamarin forums, they're all archived and they're all available. So all the deep links all work and all that content is, is available um, as well. But, you know, a lot of those are older anyway, so it's not like a huge, you know, huge, huge thing. But the nice thing is that Q&A was this new home where, where anyone could go and get answers. But uh, a lot of uh, people reached out, um, and MVPs and community members, and they said, you know, I, I like Q&A. Um, some people didn't like Q&A, too. That's, that's fine, too. Uh, but, you know, they, they understood why it existed. But they're like, hey, it'd be really great to have more of a hub, like a home where we can actually have deep, deeper technical discussions because Q&A is not that. It's just Q&A. So the tech community is something that already exists. It's techcommunity.microsoft.com. So it's already existed. So it's like, I didn't, we didn't invent anything. And myself and Jamie and uh, Chris all kind of came together. And we said, hey, let's, let's bring some unification where we have a Q&A and the tech community. And the tech community enables you to join um, all these different hubs, such as, you know, Azure and, and Windows and um, Surface and, you know, Exchange and Excel and, uh, you know, M365 and, and all the Outlook, all these other ones. Some of them are products, some of their developer hubs. But hey, we have a .NET one. And what's in there are like all the basic same categories from Q&A where you can have deeper technical discussions. You can share videos, you can share blog posts. Um, you know, someone in here, for example, just uh, posted a preem. They, they posted like, what are the best practices for dependency injections in Blazor, right? You can have those discussions and, and chit chat back and forth. Um, and then you can also see upcoming events too. So we have an events page on the, the .NET website, but we also have an events you know, mirror there too. So you can kind of find multiple things in one place. You can follow things, you can get email updates. So, you know, you, you, you have that there too. So now you got Q and a, you got the .NET blog, you got all that stuff. And it's super easy to find because when you go to the .NET page, uh, Myra, um, updated the top of that puppy. And now I love, I love the new navigation. When you go to the the community, there's a home 
but there's a drop down and it says .NET blog, conferences and events, Q&A, and the tech community forum. So you can find all of them right there from a single drop down, which is super duper cool. So definitely give that go. That's my pick of the pick of the pick. Of the yeah, pick. that's that's awesome. And uh, yeah, I know you guys are working really hard on that. And it's awesome that they're all combined together. And yeah. I did think I thought of a pick of a pod. Thanks for uh, thanks for you actually kind of jogged my memory about it by talking about the new the new website is um this actually started this week, but it's going to go on for the next five weeks, I think, is mm. that we're doing a whole new um, um, it's actually web development, but you and I are doing the last one and it's on learning microservices mm. for .NET developers. It's mm-hmm. a learn live and learn live is that we go over a learn module live. Um, so we actually sit and we talk about each of the units and then we do the demos as well. And then people can ask us questions as we go. And so, James, you and I are doing a one on microservices. So we're going to touch on um, deploying a .NET app to Docker. We're going to containerize it, and then we're going to push it out um, in uh, Kubernetes as well. And so, yeah, we're going to kind of go a little bit outside of our comfort zone in that (laughs) it's not mobile at all, but it's going to be, this is something that every .NET developer should know about because you need a back end to get some front end goodness usually so this can be the first week in December, ours is. But what's neat is that this is all going on. It's building modern apps. And uh, they just did one this week on um, the kick it off on building web applications. But um, they're going to start talking about Blazor, I think, next week. Um, Galloway and Jeff Fritz are doing one. So, yeah, it's definitely something to check out. We'll put, the, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. And what's neat, though, these are 90 minutes long. And you get to ask questions as we go. And... Yeah. Beautiful. I can't wait. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. I am excited. So much good stuff happening on the interwebs. Go check it out. But that's going to do it for this week's MI podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.